but we find that the time that they opt in is often in the middle of the day. So I expect that those people are either just, you know, doing the post-lunch social media thing for a moment. Maybe they're using the bathroom. I, I feel like most of the leads of the world happen during the bathroom, which is pretty hilarious. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today, we welcome back Brandon Smith for part two of his interview. Brandon is a growth coach to agencies, freelancers, CMOs, and CEOs. In this episode, we talk about the demands and the mindset of a team and some digital detox secrets on working remote and being in growth mode. We also tap into Brandon's superpowers on how to create the best possible offer. Brandon specializes in the art of the offer and the art of persuasion. So welcome back, Brandon. I also want to get your opinion on the timing. I worked with a client in the B2B space and their target market was um, the landscape industry. So people that owned a lawn care business or a lawn landscape business. And, you know, if you are kind of reverse engineering something, you're going to think, okay, this person just filled out a lead ad, but what's happening in their world right now? Like, is this morning time, which is their busiest time, the best time to call them? Or should we be calling maybe when we know that they're taking a lunch break or something and there'd be, you know, more time to absorb and like look at their phone and say, okay, yes, I, I'm ready to talk about this. But when you're calling, and this happens in PR all the time, like I try to, this is part of my coursework, when I'm, you know, trying to explain just timing or just even my daughter who's in college communicating with her professors and like, you know, time it so that they're in the office, they're going to respond right away. Time it so that, you know, you're, you're going to be the top of their inbox at 830 in the morning and not, you know, sending them a message at 430 in the afternoon when people are kind of burned out and they're checked out or they're trying to trying to go home. Work off, yeah. yeah. Work off deadlines or, you know, it's like, the, the bewitching hour for me, at least in PR, is always from 4 to 6 p.m., whatever time zone you're on, because you're last on the list, you know, to yep. get back to somebody because you're important, but, you know, you're not you're not as important as maybe the investors that you're trying to, you know, get on board or, or whatever. So really, I mean, I just, I think timing is so critical and I, I want to see what your thoughts are. Do you have that as part of your, you know, your experience so to make sure you, you know, the best possible opportunity to get somebody to, to pick up or to respond to a text. So generally we find that evening hours are the most successful at getting a hold of a, of a random homeowner for the solar company. We also find that solar guys are most likely to invest in our products on a Friday, which is usually when they get paid. We find that, that, an 8 a.m. call can often work pretty well to reach a homeowner in addition to the evening. It depends on the, on the type of person really in the end that, that you're getting, right? And then, but we find that the time that they opt in is often in the middle of the day. So I expect that those people are either just, you know, doing the post-lunch social media thing for a moment. Maybe they're using the bathroom. I, I feel like most of the leads of the world happen during the bathroom, which is, Pretty hilarious. And then people are, if you're calling them right after, yeah, they're not answering for a right. reason. But, and, you know, I think the, the most important thing to me about the timing of it is that you actually know intimately enough what their day is like to make 
a decision on when you should reach them and you've thought about it. Whereas a lot of marketers will just sort of set up the sequence and like move about there to the next thing. If you deeply understand your clientele, your, you know, even if you're reaching out to job applicants or reaching out to like whoever, like consider when the best time is for them. If you're, I mean, I think there's a, there's a talent war out there right now, maybe unlike one the world has ever seen, everywhere is hiring, fast food's paying 15 bucks an hour over here, $13 an hour. People can't fill jobs. Applicants are flaking at record rates, no showing, ghosting. Their appointment call, like you need persuasion for everything now. You, you really have to display to people the benefit of taking your interview of being your client, taking your strategy call, answering via text. One of the things that we do is we send a confirmation call or a confirmation text about 24 hours in advance. And we tell them, we ask them to reply yes, if they still want the call. And we still have a call anyways. And honestly, only like 10% of people do it, but it's, it's oftentimes nice for my salesperson to know, well, this person actually reached out back to yeah. us. Like, so this is very likely to happen. And you can always tell who the warmer leads are if you're tracking what they do in the middle. They'll often check out your website. They'll be trying to do research. So I think it's so important to know who the prospect or who the actual lead is. Like, do your research. You know, if you're if it's a high value thing, if you have a million of them, like it's a little bit harder to do and you'll need to work in a framework of, of like a persona, like what time are they at their desk? When do they have the free time? What do they hate the most about what they do? What do they love the most about it? Like these are things that you should know if you're going to be persuasive to somebody. Yeah. One thing that I want to switch gears, but still like keep it in mind, persuasion and what you were just talking about, how, you know, we're having like, you know, we can't get help. Restaurants can't get help. You know, this talent is just at an all-time high. People are ghosting. And keeping in mind the level of, let's just call it like digital health and wellness, you know, mental health right now is, you know, challenged more than it's ever been. So whether you're looking at persuading on the side of like your team and, and trying to recruit or persuading as far as, you know, getting uh, prospect through the funnel, keeping in mind the, the mental health and wellness and, you know, what are, what are some observations or, you know, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think we also need to persuade ourselves to show up. Right. And we also need to, as entrepreneurs, especially, we need to be critically honest, like with our emotional state in the mo in any moment. Well, if you want to get really existential, right. There is only the now moment, right. The past doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist in a, in a certain sense. I expect everybody's at least heard of this concept. So raising your emotional awareness of, of where you're at as an entrepreneur, in my opinion, is one of the most important things that you do because the without knowing it, you will leave cues of your mood, your emotion, and you will be much less effective if you're sort of in a conflict with yourself about what you're doing in that moment, you'll be uh, like more likely to be angry, frustrated, despondent, if you're not edgy. aware, edgy. And it makes it, you know, uh, it makes it a lot harder for people to even want to do what you're asking them to do. 
if you aren't enthusiastic about what it, what it would mean. So I think that's, that's one piece of it. As far as motivating others, I, I think in a certain sense, I do have a fairly good gut on determining people who have good balance or somewhat good balance for the role in terms of how they manage their own mental health. Or I've just been very lucky. My, my team kind of knows their limits on what they will do, and they're not afraid to communicate what those limits are. And as you know, an employer or, a, or the person who contracts them, you know, I, I also prioritize their family over what I have to do when something pops up, because I know that that's what's going to keep them working with me for the long term. You Which know. is opposite than, you know, what it was before the pandemic. It was not really this, like, you know, just giving people breathing space and giving them time to take out, you know, take off during the day to go to their kids, whatever, or help their parents do whatever. And I think that today we're in this kind of state of, I kind of like the word surrendering to your awareness, surrendering to the now, whether you're an entrepreneur working with a team or, you know, you're the entrepreneur that needs to really surrender to, okay, this is the now, like the past is the past and you, there's only so much you can do about the future. So you have to just be like, like awareness is so, so, so important today more than it's ever been. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And the further I get, the more that I realize my company's performance often directly mirrors my emotional state. The more often, the more consistent I show up enthusiastic, ready, energized, healthy, it, it has a huge impact on how others perceive me. It energizes other people. I mean, you know that, like everybody has had the experience of being around a person who just seems to have endless energy and it rubs off on you. And I think if you're questioning whether or not that really matters, I'm here to tell you that it matters for the type of people that I want to work with because the people who, because they will mirror that back to me and they'll show up with enthusiasm that will get me more enthusiastic. It really helps because, you know, business is, is challenging and it takes. Yeah. um, And also it's very challenging and you're a great example of this, like we're challenged. I mean, you don't meet with your teams face-to-face in person. I'm assuming not that much because you work across globally, across all time zones and, you know, every continent. And what are some tips when you don't have that luxury of being in the same office or even doing a Zoom call that often because you're on completely different time zones? So I do, I do flex more than my team does for time zone. So I'll do evening calls sometimes as a courtesy and just Functionally, it's much easier for me to schedule yeah. than say meet with three people I have in a plus 12 hour time zone. So that's like the more functional communication piece of it. My teams have always like just so happens that all of my businesses have sort of been virtual first, at least all the successful ones. So it's been it's been great to find us that as a like a normal dynamic in a sense. I was already living the post-pandemic life for years in advance. So maybe I had a leg up and it's just made my life even easier ever since because this is sort of an emerging expectation that people have to, to have a remote sort of option and to be more flexible in terms of working hours for certain job types. 
what we do on the personal side to connect with each other more. I, my team is small enough that I can still, you know, get on a call with everybody on the team once a month or so. I, I make it a point to do that with the people who I interact with the most and to just sort of catch up casually and, you know, learn about things that may be going on in their life, share about things that are going on in my life. Nothing too crazy. The other thing that we do is we do, we actually play Zoom games once a month. Yeah. And I highly recommend if you have a virtual team that you do something. It doesn't have to be a game. We found the games are really easy because they're mostly mindless and we just sort of have a conversation while we're doing it. And I found that it gives people a chance to just connect, like more connect with each other and feel like they're a part of something. It is, it is sort of interesting because most of the people that I work with, I've literally never met in person. And indeed, even Kat, who is my business partner, we've never met in person, but we've been on hundreds of Zoom calls before. I feel like I know her, but I, I have no idea how tall she is. Like she could be <laughs> five, two or five, nine. I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting world in that sense. Yeah. It is. There's actually a lot of people that I've met like over the years, either on Twitter or Facebook or through conferences or events that I'll see them for the first time at a conference, but like we've known each other for, you know, years and years. So it is interesting to, to like have never met somebody in real life. And hopefully one day you two will meet in real life and you'll be like, you'll understand how tall she is or isn't, but she's, she's like <laughs> my height. I think she's like five, six. <laughs> but we've never uh, met in person, so I don't know how tall you are either. Yeah, I'm five, six. Okay. Um, I think we're about the same height. I, I also, I just, if you can talk a little bit about sure. Eight Loop and digital distillery, because I think it's super valuable, you know, wherever you are in the marketing world, like I, I'm a big believer in jumping across lines. So I'm in PR and that's why I got into SEO because if the more you know about the different aspects of digital marketing, the more you're able to apply different strategies that, you know, you can apply these, you know, optimization strategies to PR that like traditional PR is never taught. So I think like PR professionals should learn, you know, digital marketing and digital marketing should learn PR and, you know, it'll, everybody will have more success. But anyway, I, I agree with you. So as a, as a career marketer, or even as an entrepreneur who is a marketer, like if you, if you consider yourself a marketer as an entrepreneur, I do think that it's important that you have, you know, I, it's, it's still very important that you have like a primary channel that you know very well, I think. Yet still, it's increasingly important that you have a view of how these channels can work together and how the basic concepts are transferable. And one of the experiences I had recently at 8Loop, we were looking into our, our SEO plan and at the same time working with a couple other types of contractors. And I went through their onboarding process and both of them asked me nearly identical questions that made me realize like, gosh, I should have just given them the answers to these questions and I should give anybody who wants to work with me the answers to these questions. Like if they think they can help me, I should pre-answer all the things that I know as a marketer they wanna know. The things that I would ask me if I were hiring myself to get a, a certain result. So I will talk, I'll, I'll take a moment to talk about what we do at 8Loop. We primarily help, we help two categories of people. We help people who are interested in learning the skill of Facebook advertising. 
We have a program that gives you live support with people who have agencies and run Facebook ads for clients as their primary revenue source, people who just love to teach and give back. There's about 10 calls a week. So you can get live support on what you're doing in your Facebook ads, which if you're not super comfortable yet, is a great way to learn. We also have a training portal that walks you through the sort of standard strategies and then a community of other people who are in the program and the coaches where you can ask questions and, you know, see the experiences other people have. I think it's, it's one of the most valuable skills in digital marketing right now. And I expect it will continue to be even more valuable to be able to deliver profitable ad campaigns for clients. It's just going to continue to be around. There's no way around it. The second offering that we have is for, for freelancers, digital marketers, or even people who haven't started a business yet. We teach them how to run or how to scale up their marketing agency. So we help with the lead generation piece, how to position themselves, uh, strategy, how to price properly. And even like we teach people how to offer Facebook ads as a service in conjunction with with that marketing and can provide you the people who we've trained ourselves on how to run Facebook ads who are looking for opportunity there. So some of the agencies who go through that program use our, use our students as their team to deliver Facebook ads for their clients. It's super valuable. And I mean, the whole digital marketing space is just exploding right now, especially, you know, during the pandemic. So, I mean, I find it very, very helpful, just even observing, I'm part of the group and just even observing the questions, you know, you learn so much from it. So I highly recommend we'll put, we'll put links in in the show notes. We are, we're almost out of time. And I just would love to hear if you have any last words of wisdom, if there's something that maybe we didn't cover that you think would be valuable, or maybe some other resources that you subscribe to that, that you love, whether it's a podcast or a social channel. Sure. So also, I'll pick the first one, which is something that we meant to talk about and didn't really yet, which is offers. Offers. So I think that recognizing that every step in your sales process, in your, in your training of your team or everything, there is an, inherently there is an offer in it, right? Where you get to explain to people what's in it for them. And we talked a lot about this as a, as a theme on our call and persuasion and just aligning our communication with the desire of the person we are communicating to and testing offers in a, in a business context, like from you to strangers or previous customers or your list or whoever, I want to give a super actionable tip of how I go about doing it. So the first thing that I look at is what is the root outcome that they want to have. I start there. And then I already know, you can't help but know, but the way that you can help them get that, this is already what you do likely. But I start with, with what they want. And then I look to add in some social proof. So I'll say, hey, freelancers, don't you wish you had a team full of awesome marketers doing great work for your clients? Well, to do that, you're going to need a pipeline of people that you can bring into your business. For a limited time, we'll show you how our pipeline works 
and how we brought on 11 agency clients last month in my soil lead generation agency. And then I'll even test that by just posting it somewhere. I'll post it on Facebook. I'll send it in an email to 10, 20, 30, 40, well, more thousands of people. And then we'll get, we'll get calls from it and we'll have like the validated concept. And over time, you'll refine this. You can put it on a website then you can run ads to it. But having that offer tested first, like of like, can we sell a call this way? Can we sell our product this way? Like, could I get people to say yes? Like, here's how much it is. If you're interested, let me know. Like, can you actually get to a yes from how you've framed what you said? Even with a call in the middle, rapidly testing how you do this, this stuff will get you to success much faster than any other method that I've ever found. And I highly encourage you to try it. I bet a lot of you are thinking, well, I mean, we've already got it figured out. I encourage you to try to beat the numbers that you currently have by micro-testing little offers just that realign the way you communicate your, your prospects' desires with your service. And I think what you're also talking about is really kind of touching on their, their pain points or their, their triggers which would mm-hmm. be opposite of a pain point. What's the trigger of what is going to, what they're trying to achieve, but they're just not there yet or something that's in between that they, they know they need, but right. right. That's kind of the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is definitely a bridge. Right. And sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, I know that you need more leads for your business. I'll show you how I generated 150 new booked sales call appointments from Facebook ads last month. I don't know your audience. If they're very heavy digital marketers, they're going to be like, that's such a tired thing. But the truth is it works. I see it about five times a day from just people I'm friends with posting this same promise, but it consistently works. But what works even better is that plus you, your brand, who you are, how you convey it, how you run your business, like what social proof you have. That's where it really starts to become a vehicle for growing you know, your impact. Brandon, you are brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing Thank all of these very actionable. I mean, I'm, I'm going to re-listen to our interview and apply some of those to my offer for my course and see how I can like tweak things and kind of micro test it and see what's going to work and what's not. So if you're launching a course or, you know, looking at maybe what your offer is, I would highly recommend going through these steps that Brandon just walked us through. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course, of course. And so we will um, put in the show notes where anybody can follow you or catch up with you if they would are interested in any of the nuggets of information or the sources that you talked about. But thank you for sharing all your social PR secrets. Thank you. listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. 
If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.